rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. So I'm really afraid to say this, and I really don't want to do this, but I think at some point, maybe not today, we have to talk about X-Files as the first explicitly postmodern show that we're doing, because I think the X-Files is about itself in a way that, like, none of the Star Treks are or anything like that, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you yeah. mean, and I, I, I was expecting you to get to this point, actually. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, we're watching Voyager, and there's, like, buckets that the episodes slot into. Uh, certainly Next Generation had, like, for example, holodeck episodes or Klingon episodes. But I don't know. It seems like The X-Files is really harping on certain themes over and over again uh, in order to make its points. And its episodes kind of refer to each other in a lot of uh, very strong and resonant ways to me. Yeah, and I, I definitely think you will see that happening more and more as this yeah. season goes on. I, I mean, I'm finding that that this season is extremely strong. Yeah. I, I think that actually the the opening two parter of the season was was probably the the least strong of any of these episodes. Yeah, and and like the walk is well, both of these episodes are are very good, but the walk specifically, I think it's less true for Obliat, more true for the walk. Where the walk is really about the show in a way that. Uh, is is astounding to me because what you have is essentially a very self-referential episode where Mulder and Scully are I mean actually they are solving the mystery in this episode which is something that hasn't happened for a couple of weeks but it, it it's so surprising to me that the show is going back to sort of a a well but at the same time it's telling a story that is uh it's just it's more about uh the actions of solving a mystery than it is anything else and it's really interesting. Well, I'd say the walk fits into the bucket of somebody who is oppressed or downtrodden in some way, gains some kind of power and is using it to get revenge and that and it's examining the difficulties of that kind of a thing. And the fact that we have seen this in Fresh Bones and DPO and all of these things um doesn't feel repetitive because in its way the x-files is about the horrors of america and america has found a lot of multifaceted ways to oppress people yeah yeah i i I, that's exactly what i was thinking as you were saying that because one of the things that i find so fascinating about this season so far is that most of the characters or or i guess the monsters of the week are I feel bad for something. And that's not something that the show has really done before. Um, I mean, certainly I don't feel bad for the guy in Obliac because he's a creep and a, (laughs) but, uh, you know, the, the guy, what's his name in this episode? Uh, Rappo, I forget his actual name, but I I feel really bad for him. And on the one hand, this is interesting to me because you could definitely say that Rappo's dialogue is incredibly cliche and is kind of directly out yeah. of like a uh, 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 full metal jacket or something but i think it's supposed to be i think it's actually self-aware enough mm-hmm. to know that and i feel really bad for this guy i i certainly don't think that uh, uh he should be murdering people with the power of his mind but <laughs> no and i think the the show believes that maybe the show may even agree that these characters deserve a certain amount of retribution in their lives, but at some point, Rappo certainly crossed that. 
you know, it, it, it would be one thing if he killed his CEO for giving orders that led to a lot of men dying. It's another thing to kill his kill kill the guy's kid. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't want to imply that I am defending his actions in this no. episode. I, I certainly am not. I mean, he he killed a child. He he kills innocent people all the time. And what what I think is 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 really striking about this episode, and what I think is is becoming more and more clear, and this may kind of be a question for you, is I think that what the X Files is doing more and more of, and you see this in 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 the walk, is it's looking at the people that fall through the yeah. cracks and it's using these, you know, very sort of bog standard monster of the week episodes to really transcend the form at this point. And, and I don't want to overstate it. Like, I don't think the walk is, is, is as postmodern as, as like Darren Morgan's work. For yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it is aware of what it's doing and it is, it is aware of what the show is, it has been doing in the past and, and probably what it was doing going to do in the future. Because of course, you know, they're working on other episodes yeah, yeah, yeah. as they're writing this episode. Um, I find I'll actually talk a little more about the postmodern stuff for Oubliette, but either way, um, I, I mean, the situation in the walk is 100% realistic beyond the psychic murders bit. I mean, at the beginning, Scully diagnoses his this guy as having you know classic PTSD at one point she writes and uh, or or the, that was the guy with the burns right yeah the guy with the burns she diagnoses as having PTSD there are people who have fought in wars who were fighting in the Iraq war who were coming back and were majorly damaged and fucked up there were guys mm-hmm. who lost all of their limbs and were not able to get over their rage and yes maybe they weren't able to uh you know, psychically murder people, but uh are you sure? <laughs> I mean, no. I, I mean, the, I, I think the, that's the, right. the fucking American sniper guy got killed by a soldier who had troubles re- reintegrating into society. The army does just say fuck these people in a lot of cases. There are a lot of people in. I mean, I used to work at a coffee kiosk at a train station, and there were a lot of. uh people who would slip through the cracks there. There were a lot of ex-soldiers who were homeless or ill in many ways and just had no no one taking care of them. I mean, yeah. the, I mean the fact that these people are in a hospital with people at least looking after them is such, is is something that many people don't even have that much now and look look at how damaged they are. Well, we'll see how that goes when the Republicans got the VA. Hey. But I, I, I do think you're right, and I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it, and I don't want to sort of read uh, more into this episode than is there. But, but I do think that it, it, placing this episode in a very particular time and place is very instructive because we're talking about 1996. We're talking about four or five yeah. years after the end of the Gulf War. Uh, you know, we were doing other things as well. Went into Somalia, uh, you know, went into Kosovo, things like that. Those were much smaller than than the Iraq War, obviously, and also under a different president. But I, I think that what what sticks in my mind about the walk, especially, is. Uh, uh, the line that Rappo has when he's talking to Mulder and Scully, where, you know, he's essentially talking about, um, he says something like, you know, what do you care? You just watched it on TV. Yeah. like It was a video game. Um, as long as you got your crude oil, uh, you, you didn't care what happened. You could turn off the TV and it, it, it would not be real to you anymore. And I, I think that there's a there's a real undercurrent of, of anger there that is is interesting to me because it is the case that 
uh, uh, this sort of like support the troops stuff and yeah. things like that, which really became a, a culturally a, a cultural straitjacket, I think. Um, sort of after the the Vietnam War, and I'm not saying that it was right for people to attack, spit on, you criticize yeah. uh, returning Vietnam War veterans. I'm not saying that at all. I, I don't think it was right because in many cases they they did not want to be yeah, there. There was a draft. Yeah. Um, but but I do think that that you know the X Files is maybe more. It it's it's got its foot in the pool, but it's not committing, right? Like I can see a version of this show that was made nowadays yeah. that would be much more explicit about criticizing the military industrial complex and criticizing the fact that America, you know, takes its its poor and indigent yeah. and and you know racial minorities and people like that and and signs them up for the military, chews them up, spits them out, and doesn't care about them anymore. Yeah. That's all kind of like under the surface of this episode, and, but it is still there. And, and I do feel like. I, I I think the X Files might maybe it won't make that specific point, but it's going to get there in tone. I mean, this is just season three. I've seen the way the show is developing. It starts from uh, Tombs and the host, and is going into now this guy. You, you know, the 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 amount of sympathy and characterization it's giving to the again these aren't simple monsters, so I can see it even going further with that. I mean, what I think is interesting is Mulder's line that precipitates that, which is him basically saying, you know, listen, you signed up for the army. You you agreed to, you know, make a sacrifice for your country, and now you can't, you, you can't complain now that you've made the sacrifice in a way, which is – I mean, I think about in Humbug how they talk about Mulder as the man, right? Like Mulder mm-hmm. is as white-bred society as you can get. Now – there's that great shot of him in the trench coat standing in the doorway with his hands on his hips. You yeah. Know, like, now, yeah. again, we know Mulder very well. We know the degree to which Mulder has been outcast himself, to which he is not a full member of society in the way. But at the same time, compared to compared to people in a carnival circuit, to, compared to a guy who has had his arms and legs blown off, Mulder is straight society. And mm-hmm. that's such a fucking insult for him to say, you, you you agreed to sign up. Well, the army also agreed to take care of you. Like, this is not a – I mean, this issue makes it – this episode is very much about soldiers being chewed up and spit out. It's not as if the government continues to support them and thank them for their service. Yeah, right. And, and yeah, they take care of the guy. He's in the VA hospital, or I assume it's a VA hospital. Yeah. Uh, they don't ever explicitly say that, but I would assume it is. But but they're not taking great care of him. And, you know, things like the nurse doesn't really pay attention, walks out of the room when he's getting blood drawn and it hurts and it's spraying blood all over the place, you know, and she kind of yeah. tells Rapa, well, you should stop moving then, you know, stuff like that. And and just the point of fact that, I, I don't know, like it's a little bit interesting to me because the misdirection of the, of the general as well, yeah. um, because – at the very beginning of the episode, you think that he is going to be the antagonist of the episode, that he's hiding something, and and it's a misdirection. Yeah. It doesn't it does it doesn't turn out to be the case at all. And actually, he's one of the victims. Yeah, I mean, Scully has that line bit bit early on when you know Mulder's saying, "Well, why would he protect him?" And she's like, "I don't know. You know, maybe he's just feeling." responsible for his men you know maybe he's feeling you know yes maybe he wants to cover something up maybe some shit went down that you know he he, there there are all these real world reasons for the general to be a little stonewalling them at the beginning and but then yeah once once he has his proof that something is going on and that he needs a little bit of help he's very much willing to work with them 
Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I think that, and I'm trying not to say this in a grandiose way that is making this episode or this show more important than it is, but in, in a certain sense, if you could say the, the X-Files as a show is about a lot of things. And I think one of the things that it's about is the the sort of like the the failings of large bureaucratic yeah. organizations to protect the people that are in it and and sort of the the lack of accountability the lack of democratic control and Mulder and Scully Mulder more than Scully because Scully is I I think that Scully you could argue she was just kind of along for the ride but now she's becoming more and more of a true mm. believer uh, as she gets further and further you know enmeshed in the work of the X-Files and the work of Mulder but one of the things that I always think is so interesting about those characters is that they do explicitly say a lot of the times that they're doing these jobs to help yeah. people and they they want to help people. They want to stop the bureaucracy from from chewing these people up. And I think that in a similar way, the general is doing what he can to to help these men, but he's not and women, but he's not he's not getting the resources that he needs and he, he doesn't really know. Uh, you know what? What exactly is going on with with the rest of the bureaucracy? He can only do what he can do, in, in essence. Yeah, it's such a. It's very decentralized evil. It's not like there is a guy that you can, you know. And, and, and I mean, that is very much what we're dealing. It's not Donald Trump dies. There will still be evil in this country. You know, he's he's. It will be from your lips to God's I, ears. My I friend. want Donald Trump to die very badly. I will fucking celebrate when Donald Trump finally dies. But that's not going to so end everything. I- I just have to say something to the audience for a second. So, so we record these a few weeks ahead of time, uh, just in case you know one of us gets hit by a bus or something. I always hope I have this secret hope that like whenever we talk about current events, like when the episodes release, like Donald Trump. Will yeah, come yeah. Because no, but at some point, like every morning, I wake up. I'm gonna be like, one of these mornings is going to be the morning. I'm gonna go on Twitter, and it's gonna be like Donald Trump fucking hanged himself, or died of autoerotic asphyxiation, or just exploded due to what a piece of shit he is and i know it's gonna happen and i'm just it's just such a fucking tease the worst thing about this happening in america is i want it now and i want it fast yeah yeah well that's the twitter that's the twitter uh problem yeah well. yeah but anyway um there is nobody saying you know oh i mean nobody wants rapo to be hurt and in pain right i mean even the nobody here thinks it's good but it's just there are a, a large bureaucracy like we are dealing with over and over again in the government and the X-Files, there are so many cracks this, to slip through. The larger something gets, the more the, the more people are going to just fall. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I, I think that if you look at the hospital, for instance, I don't think that the nurse wants to yeah. hurt anybody. I, I don't think the doctors do. But they they are because they're so busy they're so yeah. overworked they don't have enough staff they don't have enough resources all these kind of things and i mean the, the, the what i think is you know if you look at the opening of the episode for instance with the guy who mm. uh throws himself into the into oh the pool, god that fucking burn makeup oh my god <laughs> right and the thing is though if he had been properly watched that probably would not have hmm. happened so there are things like that which you know of course it was not their fault that that happened 
and and Rappo was doing something to stop him or whatever. Uh, that that part of the, that is like my one criticism of the episode is that it's a little unclear exactly what Rappo is trying to do. He's um, trying I to fucking torture, torture them. Basically. Them. He wants yeah. ba- basically Rappo feels that everything has been taken from him down to his body. Right, like he is a he feels himself to be a useless husk at this point, which has no chance of making it in society, and he feels that these people are responsible for his condition, and therefore he wants them to have nothing, just as he has nothing, and he sees, okay, well, they've got homes and families and career, I'm gonna fucking kill all of them and make them live. I mean, this episode at the end is really dealing with living in, living with nothing is worse than death. I mean, death at, Death is seen by these characters yeah. as a final release from the pain, just as many people who, again, in the real world are suffering from PTSD will see death as preferable. I mean, that's why a lot of ex-army people will kill themselves, right? I mean, that that's in order to just alleviate the suffering, and Rappo wants the suffering to continue. Yeah, because I, I mean, I do think it's interesting that he's he's going after both you know, members of his own. Well, I don't know if they were served together. I think the the burn guy and he. Did, that was of course, the one thing I found like... a little unclear is that I wasn't entirely sure who all these care. You know, was this indeed? I, I like was this indeed his general or is he just the general? And like in the list, he's killing people who represent various aspects of the military industrial complex. I don't know. That that's what it seemed like to me. I, I don't know for sure. I don't think the episode makes it clear, like yeah. you said. But but you know either way I'm fine with it. I think that yeah. it, it you know the 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 burn guy being grounded in a reality of yes they served together or whatever. Or, no, it wasn't him that served together. It was uh, the male guy, right? So that was the other part of the episode that was kind of like, is this necessary? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it it did have a little bit of like I think the episode may have been stronger if we had gotten rid of that character Maybe. and had them find out about Rappo some other way because really it didn't. You know, it didn't affect. I mean, it, you, you just get. Kind of, yeah, it felt like they I, I, well, needed at, to at the do, same time, though. I mean, well, it felt like they needed well, to have some kind of physical connection to the places. But I mean, these are psychic powers, and I could have believed the rules if he just, you know, was taking his time and could astrally project himself anywhere he wanted. You're, you're right; they could have. T- yeah, but at the same time, he is playing with that character too, right? Like he doesn't necessarily need to take everything away from that guy in order to. Uh, make him suffer, but he has managed to play on the guy's guilt so much that he's willing to commit some breaking and entering in order for this guy. You know, it's true. Yeah, and I, and I think also the the other thing that kind of thematically links that together is you know seeing Roach's apartment and seeing how how squalid. It yeah, is, right. And, and the fact of the matter is that this is a man who um, the the you know should should be taken care of by by the country he served and he's just yeah. kind of in in squalor living in squalor so that's another maybe that's what the real important thing is there. yeah i, I mean it's and i think it is important that rapo is blaming this guy for his injuries which i mean if you're gonna blame anybody blame the guy who shot you or laid the mine or whatever but like again these are this is a very or this is a very decentralized blame. thing right i mean who are you going to blame for the iraq war Whose fault is it that ultimately that Rappo has is a quadruple amputee? Is it the 
George Bush? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, is it the president? But, I mean, then you have all the people who are following the president's orders. I mean, power is not a divine thing. It's something which people do and people agree to. I mean, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, Rappo is against the whole fucking system. Right, yeah. Well, I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I think if they could have gotten a guest spot by George yeah. Bush and he was killed by Rappo, I think they probably would have done it, but that's a little too much for even yeah, the show. As you say, from your mouth to God's ear, although Reagan would have been a better choice for somebody I want to see dead, but thank God. Uh- <laughs> yeah, he's already dead. I don't have a huge problem with George Bush. I mean, he wasn't like the greatest guy, but whatever. Uh, all right, well, I think that's it. The only other thing I want to mention about the the walk, which uh, I don't think will come as a surprise to you, although maybe not, uh, the actor who played Rappo was obviously not uh, a, a quadruple curious, amputee. Yeah. And it's just, I, I just mention it only because it's shocking to me that uh, uh, the technology yeah. that was sort of pioneered for Forrest Gump in 1993, I think it was, or 1994, uh, two, th- two or three years later is already yeah. cheap enough that like a television show can do it and do it really well. Yeah, no, I was wondering about, like, for example, at the beginning when he's in the... Uh the group therapy and you see these other soldiers, I was wondering if they were actual soldiers who had been uh, disabled or anything like that. Uh, I was curious, but yeah, that, that, that was just prosthetics and CG on him. That is dead for on a TV budget. It was probably, I mean, not easy to find. I mean, if they were extras that were missing arms or legs, I'm sure you could probably find them. There's probably enough in the greater Vancouver area. It's pretty big metro area that you could find them uh i don't know if they were or not but i just think they yeah, did a yeah, really yeah. good job with no Rappo, no that so. i that is i i guess i didn't really even think about that but yeah yeah all right well let's move on to Obliap. but before we do that i just want to take an opportunity to quickly remind all of you the loyal listeners of tuning in that this show is listener supported if you would like to support the work that we do financially you can go to patreon.com slash show uh, for instance, if you give us $4 a month or more, you will get early access to tuning in one week before it's released to the public, which is pretty cool, I think. So go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give now. All right, let's talk about Obliette. All right, so I think we have our first uh, opportunity to kind of have tuning in be some sort of like Uroboro that's postmodernism. Because, yes. Uh, Jewel State, yeah. I think her name is, who plays uh, Kaylee from Firefly, yeah. which was the first show that we did on Tuning In, uh, I think last year at this point, uh, is in this episode. And she is younger <laughs> because this say, was not, quite a few years before Firefly. Not as much of a case of, for example, Giovanni Ribisi and Jack Black, but uh, that she would go on to do something else. I mean, she is so – she's supposed to be, what, like 13, 14 as a character, and she doesn't do a ton in this episode, but – and it's it's it again. It's it's. I'm really liking this show for finding all the people who would go on to be have real careers later on. Yeah, no. It, uh, whoever was was casting yeah. the X Files was was really doing a good job. Uh, they kind of ramped it up. I mean, they were always doing a good job, but they're doing a really good job uh, now. S- um, and I don't know how difficult it is to get actors to fly up from Los Angeles or whatever to to do a show in Vancouver. But I guess it's not that I, far. Maybe so. she. I don't know. Is she, she might even be Canadian. I know she a couple of years later did a show for Nickelodeon called Space Cases, I believe. And since a lot of the Nickelodeon shows were Canadian, she might be. She is from White Rock, British okay. Columbia. Well, that, that so explains it. <laughs> Which is very close to Vancouver. Um, this was a terrifying episode just from a thriller perspective. I 
that the scene when she's trying to escape was just my heart was in my throat. Yeah, and I I think what well well I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago I think with Clyde Bruckman and DPO that yeah. episode, but um, just another opportunity to mention how great the the directing of the yeah. X Files is getting. That chase yeah. scene is amazing, and it just the cross cutting between uh, Jewel and and the, and the killer um, or whatever he is 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 really really well done. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you think she's getting away, and then suddenly she it's like they have got this shot where it's from her perspective and you see him but you're not expecting to see him and it is just like incredibly uh off putting yeah. and and you're shocked by it you're like oh shit yeah no this was uh and obviously the situation is you know horrible in it um it's interesting because so, see this this episode was really what caused got me onto the postmodern train of thought and it feels like this ep- – Clyde Bruckman almost feels like a response to this episode in a way, but the two of them are kind of mirrors of each other, Clyde Bruckman being more Scully's episode and this being more Mulder's episode. But they're both basically the same plot and you know, somebody is, somebody is having psychic visions of a killer and it is hitting very close to home for either Mulder or Scully and you know the fact that both of them end with them – Holding the dead psychic compassionately and we- and grieving for them it, it does not feel incidental to me. Yeah, I, I I think that I'm getting the impression that you like this episode more than I do. I, I think it's a really well done episode, and I could feel like this may but, be one of those that the second time through it doesn't hit as 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 much, and that's well, it it it's really well done, and I I was glued to my yeah. television watching it, but there's something about it that. I can never tell if this is intentional or not, but there's something about this episode that just feels like it's keeping you at arm's length. And there's there's an emotional core to the episode that yeah. is lacking or not present or is is hiding itself in some way. And that may be intentional. I don't know. I think that the 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 draw between Mulder and Lucy, for instance, I, I'm not really sure what's going on there. Yeah. I, I don't know, like that. You know, there's that very intense scene between Scully and Mulder, sort of towards the end of the episode, maybe in the last ten minutes or so before the final yeah, yeah. events of the episode, when they get um, the the character back and um, all of that stuff is. Scully is criticizing Mulder for for being drawn to Lucy and in and, and almost I mean the unspoken implication here is that it is inappropriate and that Mulder is sort of not really doing his job uh as as he should be because Scully feels like he is reading into this situation he is emotionally yeah. vulnerable to this situation because of what happened to his This sister. is the typical and, X Files does this a lot you're too close to this case I know you well enough to know this is hitting your person issues kind of a thing which the way that mold right which to a degree i mean scully needs to take lucy as a possible suspect scully who is fully in the realm of the rational uh if lucy knows something to scully that suggests that she knows something she has somehow worked with this killer or something like that and Mulder immediately believes lucy again that turns out to be correct but Mulder is compromised by his bias to the case. I, I think in some ways, yes. I, I just don't know that the episode 
I don't know that I buy yeah. that Mulder would be this wrapped up in Lucy only because of his yeah. sister. It, it doesn't seem to track. He would to be me. wrapped like, Mulder up has in been someone the, who the Joel State character, I think, but. Right. Like, I, I don't, you know, and I guess maybe you could argue, well, he can't be wrapped yeah. up in that character because that character has been abducted. So Lucy is by effect what he is being wrapped up in or what is emotionally affecting him. I don't know. But it just seems to me like this is this is Mulder's episode. As you said, Scully is not in this episode very much and she is kind of sidelined for large portions of it. And and even when Scully is in it, she seems a little obtuse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for instance, just the thing about Lucy having uh, the abductee's blood on her and Scully takes that as proof that she's working with the uh, w- with the killer, which makes no sense. No. I mean, I, I, you know, she's 20, what is she, like six miles away or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, how could she possibly have this girl's blood on her before she, like, at the same time she was being abducted? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I can I can see Scully going, huh, that's suspicious. Yes, but something that's needs to be investigated. really enough. Yeah, it needs to be investigated. But it's like, I don't think that they she would leap to the conclusion that she is in league with the killer. Yeah, no, I, I, I the episode does feel slightly off kilter in that way. And now that, you know, we are talking about it, I... We've talked about we've talked a lot about Scully having the um, Scully not going to jump to the conclusions because she needs to focus on the evidence and she needs to follow that evidence. And I can buy Scully saying, "Well, I don't really believe that she could psychically bleed somebody else's blood, but you have to admit this is very suspicious and something is up here." I mean that that is what Scully can say. Um, yeah, but she yes. doesn't say that. I mean, and that's what I, yeah. you know, it's like the episode needs, because you could you could say, okay, this episode already has a, a, a you know, hard-headed antagonist in the FBI agent that's there and that he does not believe Mulder. He's, you know, Scully says you've lost all credibility. You need to, like, stop. Um, but you, I guess, you know, you could say, well, you need someone that we actually care about to tell Mulder that he is too close to the case to, to sort of back up the guest yeah. star FBI agent to, to try and convince us that Mulder is kind of going off the deep end in some way. But it, 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 it's, it's like just, it's not yeah. quite on the edge of sacrificing character for plot, but it's almost there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about why is he so interested in Lucy and maybe it's not because he identifies Lucy with Samantha, but he, identifies himself with Lucy. Lucy is somebody who went through a trauma but is now just not dealing with it, refusing to help this girl. Mulder has gone through his trauma, certainly not to the degree that Samantha or Lucy has, but that's Mulder's origin story, is that this horrible thing happened to Samantha, and as a result, he became somebody who is fighting for the truth in all ways. And... I think Mulder is looking at Lucy and saying, if I'd gone through this, I would have come out as this person who would do anything he could if he could help a kidnap victim and prevent that from happening to somebody else. And, I mean, he, I don't, you're right, I don't think the episode goes far enough to establishing that, or, and I mean, this is something, this is again one of those 2017 things, I think Mulder may be blind to certain privilege maybe that he has, in other words, mm-hmm. he because he did not go through the kidnapping directly. Samantha did. Lucy did. And 
if Lucy is somebody who has grown up to have certain substance abuse problems, run-ins with the law, she's working as a waitress, she's living in a halfway house, like, she is barely holding on because some really shitty stuff happened to her when she was a kid, some horrible things. Yeah, yeah. And I, I certainly don't want to give short shrift to, to Lucy, and I definitely want to talk about her because her character is important, not only as a plot driver, but as a character in this episode. But I think maybe the last thing I want to say about about Mulder's relationship with, with Lucy is kind of following up what you said, which is that I, I think that you're right. Like, it's more interesting of a storyline for Mulder to identify more with Lucy because he feels like Lucy is in his role and she can help find this girl yeah. and she doesn't want to and he doesn't understand that. But but it's almost got, you know, but but the episode doesn't realize yeah. that that would be the more interesting interpretation of that in some respect, I think. So so what we get is a little muddled and I don't know if it exactly works. Yeah, I mean, to me there is nothing more symbolic of that kind of slightly off lack of care than the fact that at the end of the episode Mulder and not the trained medical doctor is the one who immediately starts giving the girl mouth to mouth. Like, right. Uh, I, I thought that was like, weird why too. is Scully assisting Mulder at that point? These, every so often the show forgets that she's a doctor. Yeah, I, I'm with you because I, I think that in terms of how the episode was structured, it, 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 it's probably right that Mulder yeah. would do that because this is Mulder's episode. But then I think that the episode, I don't know, the, I feel like maybe this episode would have been stronger if Scully hadn't been mm. there. Maybe. Like maybe she was just on vacation that week or she was, something happened to her and she couldn't make it. Let's take you out know, Trio and have, put in this episode. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Because they do that thing at the beginning of the episode where Mulder shows up before yeah. Scully. And you're like, well, why did they even bother with that? So <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. And there's also that bizarre line where Mulder says, well, I forgot my cell phone, which places it in a very particular place <laughs> in time because nobody does that anymore. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about Lucy then, because I, I, I do think that she is... I think she slots in very nicely to, to actually what we were talking about with the walk, where here is a character yeah. that was uh, horribly abused and and uh, traumatized mentally, emotionally, physically by this guy, Carl Wade, for something. I think it was supposed to be like four yeah. or five years. I think they, they said. said she was she eight when she was kidnapped and 13 when she got out. So she was... She got out at the same age that uh, the, I, I feel bad that I didn't write down the <laughs> character's either. name that got kidnapped, but um, the the Jewel State character. Oh, that's interesting. Actually, I hadn't yeah. made that connection before. So uh, Lucy escaped at the same age that the Jewel State character was abducted. Yeah, I thought so. There was intended... Maybe that's like how that sort of psychic transference was going. There on. is intended to be some kind of continuity. Maybe like he's getting taking her back. Yeah. Um, there's there's like a parallelism there. Although yeah. the you know the one thing that I didn't quite you know he there's these this twenty year period in which he lays fallow. I mean, is that a thing? You read more true crime than I do, but I feel like if he's a kidnapper, uh, no, it, he would have kidnapped sooner. Yeah, I, I don't um, I don't really get what he was doing. I think that uh, obviously he wanted to. He was some sort of pedophile aerial caster type yeah i don't know 
Right. And he he abducts young girls and then keeps them in his basement because he has some sort of fantasy of being in love with them. Uh, this is obviously a man who is not emotionally well. I don't want to spend a lot of time on his character because I don't think he's the most important and no. most important or, or, you know, interesting part of the episode. But yeah that is the case i don't know if he uh, it seems like he sexually abused lucy we're not sure i don't think the episode actually says that or not uh it implies it when they say that nothing happened to the jewel state character yet she didn't um, she's uh but there is a line lucy says something like about he didn't he can't like there there was a heavy implication that he's impotent or something but oh, that I, could I, be. you know i i i'm not sure yeah well, and then I think with the with the Lucy character, it, it slots in very nicely, you know, to what we were talking about in, in the walk, because, you know, here's a character that, as I said, was abused in a, in a number of ways. And the system has utterly failed. her. Yeah. You know, she did not get the help she needed. She fell through the cracks or the system did not exist for her to get help. And, you know, she had no family. She was in a situation where she was basically uh, 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 almost catatonic, nonverbal, as the episode says. Um, She got some very basic help, but then she was kind of left to her own devices. And it, it is kind of shocking to me in a way because I think that Scully is very, very unsympathetic to Lucy's plight in a way that I kind of find objectionable like i feel like she would be more understanding of the uh, uh, the the real risks and the real problems that lucy had in her life yeah i mean certainly she could certainly scully could believe that yes lucy has something to do and you know people who are uh, she could cite so many cases of yes well they were abused as the child and they grew up to become abusers themselves i mean this is the way that she is able to deal with her her PTSD from this is by you know mastering it by becoming the the villain in a way like there there could be there could be some kind of talk around along those lines which again would still be very sympathetic towards Lucy who has gone through so much but still acknowledge that maybe she has something to do with something in a it, the the way right. that Scully plays it is that well no she's either just a crazy villain who's trying to deceive you. Yeah, and that, I mean that's that's kind of disappointing. Yeah. Though. I mean, again, I don't think Scully is at her best in this episode. It it doesn't seem to. I mean, if you look at it objectively, you've got Lucy who escaped from this guy twenty years ago, and he's in league with him for some reason. But they haven't kidnapped anyone for twenty years because why? Yeah. Again, I think this is an episode that the fact that Clyde Bruckman was before this hurts this episode. If Clyde Bruckman had came after this, not only would that be an explicit comment on this episode, but I mean, there's a, I, that scene in the middle of the Clyde Bruckman episode where he's talking about this vision of his, his body rotting and finally being at peace. And this is this beautiful glimpse into the inner life of this character. And even as, we don't get anything like that with Lucy. We don't get that that glimpse into her. As you say, it does keep us at arm's length. There is a an intimacy to Clyde that we don't get with Lucy. And, you know, Scully yeah. in, in the Clyde Bruckman episode doesn't believe him at all. But at the same time, she's at the very least humoring him. Even on the, you know, we're going to be in bed and you're holding my hand and weeping, you know. And she's, you know, even her, there's misses and there's misses, you know. She's humoring him. She she's she's not 
being nasty or mean to him. You know, she just kind of, she does feel a little sorry for him through this ep- through that episode, even as she doesn't believe him. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I it, just to the point where Darren Morgan understands the X Files, and yeah. the, the guy who wrote the, this episode is named Charles Grant Craig, and I, I don't think he does understand the X Files. I mean. Uh, certainly this episode is very atmospheric this yeah. episode is very moody it it, it establishes a, a emotional core that that i think is is interesting but so much of how scully acts in this episode so much of the actual plot in this episode doesn't make a whole lot of sense and and so much of this episode sacrifices character in in search of plot that i think it indicates to me why this guy left the show after he wrote Obliette. Like, uh, I just looked up his name really quickly because I yeah. did not recognize this name before. And, you know, he joined the show in the third season. He wrote Obliette. That, that was the one. Uh, I mean, this, this in so, some ways, this almost seems like maybe this is one of those stories that was, you know, initially conceived as a standalone story and refit to be an X Files episode. Yeah, maybe, uh, obviously, yeah, we don't. Think that happens nearly as often as you think that does. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I just think the guy doesn't really yeah. get the X Files, and and I think you in this conversation, you're kind of seeing why he doesn't get the X Files. Like, it's it's a fine episode. It just it's missing something that makes just, it uh, what the X Files is really becoming at this point. Yeah, and again, just as a. I, this week, in some ways, is a filler week. It, these are not going to be classic episodes, but as we've been saying for a while, like there is a baseline competence. Again, just as a as a thriller hour of television, even if Mulder and Scully aren't quite, you know, as in I was watching the X Files at night and I got scared. Episode. This was a great episode for that. Yeah, and I and I certainly think that this episode is is much more gripping than a yeah. lot of season one or season oh, yeah. two episodes. I mean, the sh- you know because even if the even if the script for this episode was a little weak, Mulder and you know David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson have much more experience under their belt of playing these characters. They can imbue it with a little bit of panache. They can do some line readings in a little bit of a different way. Uh, you know the 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 directing. You know so much of the other creative elements that go into this television show were firing on such a high level at this point that it can elevate kind of an okay script. And, and I think this script is, is, you know, I mean that when I say it's, it's okay. Like it's not bad. It's not terrible. It's just kind of there. And the, the real transcendence of the script comes from the performances and comes from the rest of the creative staff putting this episode together. I, think. I mean, I yeah, I, I think now, especially that we're talking about it, this is probably one of the weaker episodes of the season, and it's better than it's really good. Maybe you wouldn't go that far. I don't think I would go that far. No, uh, but uh, I would say it's I would say it's adequate. <laughs> But I guess what I'm saying is the adequacy is better than the adequacy of season one. Oh, yeah, I, I can certainly see that. And I and I do think I mean, I, I will say that it, it's a nice little twist on the episode that the supernatural element is not the yeah. problem. Right. Like in a similar way to Clyde Bruckman, where Lucy being able to be psychically linked or whatever, it's not even just a psychic link because she basically drowns. Uh, at the end of the episode is is a nice little choice yeah. for the episode, and I think it makes the the because really the 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 kidnapper in this episode is just some yeah. banal guy who has a mental 
criminal mental problem and uh, just isn't frankly that interesting. Uh, although I kind of want to live in his cabin in the woods because it looks really cool. But <laughs> aside from that, he's not the point yeah, of the yeah, episode. Yeah. The, the point of the episode is Lucy. And I think that, that the actress does a really, really strong job with that. So, yeah. you know, there are parts of the episode that work. I think there are parts of the episode that don't work. But on the whole, I would say this is, like you said, if if the baseline is I watched this on a Friday night in the dark, was I scared? The answer was yeah. yes. So there you go. Yeah, I think it's good for that. I mean, this is, again, so many of my friends, you know, that will talk about the X-Files, you know, they were... I mean, so 1996, I was 14 at this point. You know, I have a lot of friends who are like, yeah, I was a little too young to watch it. So I would sneak, you know, sneak and watch the X-Files at night, you know, when my parents were asleep. And it was so scary. Like, as I, I see why this show became that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It it, it definitely, I, I mean, I think in some respects that the move to Sunday nights mm. hurt it, but we'll get to that one next season. <laughs> All right, well, I think we'll call that an episode. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of The X-Files we just discussed, The List or Obliette, please leave a comment on the post for this episode at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, like I said before, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, uh, which also supports our other podcast, Truckabout. We are talking this week about the Voyager episodes, The Q and the Gray and Macrocosm. Very strange week <laughs> on Star Trek Voyager. So go to truckaboutshow.com and check that out. Tuning in is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Tuning in show is our username there. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new people to find the show and helps us with algorithms or something. Next week, we are talking about the episodes Nisei and 731. Mac, why do you...